Hello, this is Pastor Sam Velez, and I'm so glad that you're joining us for our service. We hope you enjoy this message today, that it blesses your life and your families. We love you. The book of Romans is talking about, it's bringing clarity in the midst of chaos. It's bringing clarity. All of us, we, we want clarity. We don't want to be living chaotic, confused, and, and God uses Paul to write to the people of Rome clarity to what's happening because you have to understand the romans if you don't know roman history romans were terrible they they did a lot of they built a lot they had a lot but they were terrible people and so paul writes to the church the people in rome and he's bringing clarity in the midst of chaos he's bringing clarity and so today if you have your bibles i want you to go to romans chapter 3 we're going to start in romans chapter 3 Verses 25 and 26. Romans 3, 25 and 26 says this. It says, For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood and shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead including, and including them in what he would do in the present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just. And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. I want you to go to Romans chapter 1 verse 17. Romans 1 17 says this. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is, this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. If you're taking notes today, the title of my message is, I am living by faith. I am living by faith. Paul says, in the book of Romans, you have to understand, Paul mentions faith 270 times. 270 times you're going to see the word faith in the book of Romans. Because you have to understand something. Faith is a big deal. It's foundational for me and you. When we put our faith in Jesus, we accepted him as our savior. And so any, anything, in the, anything significant in the God's kingdom is accessed through faith. Anything significant is accessed through faith. It took faith for you to say, God, I give you my life. It took faith for you to do different things. And faith is simply this. Faith is a belief. It's a belief. It's, it's you trusting. So when you say I have faith in God, what you're saying is, God, I, I'm trusting in God. I'm trusting in what God is doing. I'm trusting in the Lord. Faith is not ignorant to circumstances that are happening. It's just that faith it does, understands that that circumstance does not have the final authority in your life. Amen? I'm not ignorant to sickness but sickness doesn't have the final authority. I'm not ignorant to all these other things that the enemy is doing, but that does not have the final authority over my life. That's what faith is. So in this journey with God, we have to understand that we have to live by faith. In fact, in the book of Hebrews eleven six, it says this. It says, it is impossible to please God without faith. In other words, God is pleased when you trust him. God is pleased 
when you trust him, whether you're trusting him with your finances, you're trusting him with your children, you're trusting him with your, with your life, God is pleased when you trust him. That is when God is most pleased, when you trust him. So if you're taking notes today, this has been a teaching series for us. And today there's a lot of scripture. So I, I, I want you to just, I, we're doing this because I need you to grasp what this is. All right. So number one is, if you're taking notes, is that faith is a gift. Faith is a gift. Faith is a gift. In fact, Romans chapter 12, verse three says this. You can put it up there real quick. It says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your, in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. In other words, faith comes from God. Faith is a gift. It wouldn't be a gift if I had to work, work for it. When, you have, when it's Christmas time, you don't go to your children and say, well, if you worked seven times last week, I'll give you a PS5. Well, if you did this for three days, if you washed your clothes for three days straight, you'll, you can have a little bit of pozole. Or menudo, or tamales, whatever you like. You can have it. No, no, that's not a gift. A gift is something that's given freely. You don't have to work for it. You got that gift. And so, so many people, we, we have this mindset that, man, that in order for God to do something, I have to work for God. Like I work at my job for that paycheck. I got to work for God to give me something. And faith is not like that. Faith is a gift. In fact, Ephesians 2.8 says this. You can put it up there real quick. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. It is a gift from God. So the question is, how do we receive this gift of faith? How do we receive it? Romans 10, 17 says it best. It says this. So faith comes from hearing that is hearing the good news about Christ. How do we receive this gift? By hearing Every time you hear the word of God, faith is deposited in your life, in your spirit. Every time the word of God is being read, every time you take time to hear the word of God, faith is being deposited on the inside. We receive faith by hearing because you have to understand something, church. Hearing will dictate what you do. Hearing will do that. Hearing dictates your decisions. So the question you have to ask yourself is, what are you hearing? Because if what you're hearing is disrupting what God's trying to do, then you're hearing the wrong thing. If what you're allowing in your life is making you decide and make decisions that are contrary to the word of God, then it's not God speaking and God's voice is not the loudest in your life. It's something else. Whether it's relationships, whether it's the things that you listen to, the things that you watch, but hearing dictates decisions. That's why it's important, church, that we make sure that the word of God is the highest voice in our life. The highest voice. Not the news, not, not, not the government. No, no. The word of God is the highest voice in our life. 
Because then that dictates and that helps me to live for him. That helps me to live in a supernatural way. That's why all the time, if I'm not listening to worship, I'm listening to a podcast. I'm listening to something to feed my soul. To feed my soul. Because if not, something else will fill it. And a lot of times what fills me is not what God wants for me. And we become accustomed to those things. And then it becomes normal. And then when it continues to kill us, we keep trying to justify what God said that's not for you. So you have to understand that faith is a gift and I receive this gift by hearing and accepting it and allowing it to work in me. That's why we emphasize the word of God so much because it transforms. It is life to us, church. The word of God is life for our body. It's life for our mind. It's life for our spirit. It is life, church. And so faith is a gift from God. It's freely given to me and you. We just have to hear it and receive it. And then go on to live it. Amen? Faith is a gift. Number two is this. Is that faith is, church, faith is a key. Faith is a key. We all have keys in this place. I know now cars are more modern, so you just press the button. But even then, you call it a key fob. We use our keys to open up our doors to our house. We use our keys to go into our offices. We use our keys to lock. We use keys, and just like keys are used to access stuff, so is faith. Faith is a key, and so what do we access when we have faith? We access justification, we access righteousness, and we access grace. Justification, righteousness, and grace. When me and you are putting our faith in God we access these things. And if you don't know what justification is, it's simply this. It's just as if I had never sinned. It's just as if I never sinned. In other words, when me and you come into the presence of God and we, and we repent of our sins with all of our baggage and all the things and we say, God, I come to you, forgive me of my sins, then that is when we are justified before the Lord. In fact, the Bible says this. In uh, Romans chapter 3, 22 through 23. Romans 3, 22 through 23 says this. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. For God, we have all fallen sin of God's glorious standard standard. So in other words, when Jesus comes and we come to him, we recognize, the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We come and we receive his forgiveness. We get justification. And justification is just, and when God forgives you, that's it. It's erased from your life. If you are the one that's, if you are thinking constantly of your sin, you're the only one thinking about it, not God. If you're always thinking about what you did 10 years ago, God's not thinking about it. It's only you. It's not God trying to remind you. It's not like Ebenezer Scrooge taking you to your past. And it's none of that. You are the only one that continues to bring that up. You're the only one that keeps, that keeps talking about it. You're the only one that thinks about it at night. 
You're the only one that keeps posting about it. You're the only person that doesn't let it go because God let it go a long time ago. The moment that you asked God and you repented for real, and you said, God, I forgive, forgive me of my sin. I repent. Your sins are forgiven as if they never happened. They're wiped clean. I don't know about you, but that's something to thank God about, that God doesn't remember your sins. He doesn't hold it against you. He doesn't keep telling you about it. No, God wipes it clean. So it's your responsibility to keep going forward and not going backwards and, not, and stop talking about it and stop bringing it up. Or, or, or however you, you've been doing it for the past couple of years, let it go. Let it go. Like frozen, let it go, all right? Let it go. Because if God isn't thinking about it, neither should you. If God is not talking about it, neither should you. And so many people live with this problem. I don't know how many times I've talked to people and they can't seem to let go of what happened. They can't seem to let go of what God forgave them for. They can't let it go. They'll bring it into their relationships. They'll bring it into their friendships. They'll bring it into social media. They can't let it go. And I'm here to help you and I'm here to encourage you. Break that from your life today. Be free today in Jesus' name. Be free. Be free today. Walk in the newness that you have in Christ. Amen? That is justification. It's just as if I had never sinned. And righteousness, this is righteousness. It's right standing with God. You want to know what righteousness is? It's right standing before God. It's right standing before God. In fact, let me read you this. In uh, Romans chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, this is a perfect example. It says this. It says, if if his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous. Counted him as righteous. This is an example that we see. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous. When me and you put our faith in God, when we believe in God, when you say, God, I put my trust in you, you are right before God. Forgiveness makes you clean. It makes you clean. Righteousness makes you right before the Lord. In other words, you are the righteousness of God. You are right before the Lord. You have a right relationship with God. And the same way that Abraham had a right relationship with God in the scriptures, so do you. So do you. You have access to righteousness when you have faith in God. When you choose to believe God, you are right before the Lord. So you need to stop condemning yourself and telling yourself that you're not, you're not right. You're not good. I'm not good. I don't want to come to church. It's going to burn down if I come in. I don't know how many times I've heard that. I've heard that thousands of times. I've tried telling people about God in the streets, and now I see what you're saying, but if I come here, lightning is going to strike me. Your church is going to blow up. You know, the list goes on and on. That is not the thinking. You need to understand that when you believe God, when you come into forgiveness and you believe God and you put your faith, you are right before the Lord. Because it's not about your behavior. It's in your belief that you're right before God. So many people think it's in your behavior that you're right before God. But behavior is only a, 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 um, an outward thing of what God's already done on the inside in you. Behavior is a result 
of your right, right relation with God. I don't know if that makes sense. It's a result. The Holy Spirit comes and, and sets you free, transforms you, and then you have the gifts of the Spirit. But those gifts come out out of a relationship with God. You are right in your character. It doesn't mean that, oh, so then I don't have to be, I don't have to obey the Lord. Pastor Alex talked about obedience. Oh, I don't have to do certain things. No, you need to obey the Lord. That's, that is important. But if you think that it's, oh, because I came to church twice this month, I must be on a roll with God. That's not how it works. I'll never forget when I was in, uh, I was in the third grade. I'm not going to say this kid's name just in case he ever comes to church. But when I was in the third grade, I, uh, I had this art because of children's church. That's why it's important to send your kids to children's church. I had this understanding that for me to go to heaven, I needed to accept Jesus first. Because the Bible says that in John 14, 6. That it's through Jesus that we go to heaven. And so I already had that understanding. I remember one time in elementary, uh, we were in P.E., and this, that day in PE, sometimes they would do this. I don't know how they do it now in elementary schools. They would, sometimes for, I don't know why, for an exercise, they would just make you walk around the field. You're just walking and talking. You want, if you wanted to run, you could run, but you're just walking. Like that's the, that's the way when a PE coach doesn't feel like doing anything, hey, let's just walk around, get your exercise. So I remember we were just walking around my elementary school. I went to Trotman Elementary. In my elementary school, we were walking around the field in the front. If you have kids in there, it's a great school. And, um, and this kid comes up to me, and, and I started telling him about Jesus at third grade. So I was telling him about Jesus and how, hey, if you want to go to heaven, you need to accept Jesus. And I'm trying to tell this kid because I felt bad for the kid because the kid was always getting picked on. He was getting picked on all the time, and I felt really bad. So I was trying to help him and encourage him when we were walking in that field. And then uh, he tells me this. He says, no. I don't need to go to heaven through Jesus. I just have to be a good person. And I was like, no, you need, you know, as a kid, you just go back and forth with each other. So I'm like walking. I'm like, no, you need Jesus. He's like, no. And he, and this, you know why this story, this story has stuck with me forever? Because I don't know if you ever seen the movie Waterboy. His whole thing was, but my mama said this, you know, he kept mentioning his mom. (laughs) My mama said, but mama, you know, you've never seen Waterboy. I don't know. Father, forgive me for anybody that feels offended. But so it reminds me. So he kept going back and forth with me about that his mama said. And I said, no. And going back because his, his mom had taught him and instilled in him a lie. That it's only by good behavior that you go to heaven. And so many people are filled with that lie. That as long as I'm not murdering anybody, I'm not, you know... I'm not destroying someone's house. You know, as long as I'm not doing any of those things, I should go to heaven. But the Bible says it's only through Jesus Christ. And you do that by confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that you are saved. It doesn't matter what your track record is. Pastor Sam, I've had all A's all the way to 12th grade. Good for you. Keep going. But that's not what's going to get you to heaven. Pastor Sam, I've never gotten a ticket in my life. Good for you, and you're lying, by the way. You're never, you're, this doesn't mean you're going, you're going to heaven. It's by believing and receiving Jesus as your Savior. And when you believe, you are righteous. You are right before the Lord. Do you have moments where you fail? Yes, you do have moments. And God will forgive you for that. 
it doesn't take, the, take away the fact that you are still right before the Lord. When you are completely rejecting God, then that's a different story. When you completely say, God, I, I turn my back from you. I do not accept you, nor will I follow you, nor will I do anything for you. Then that's another story. But as long as you are continuously going before the Lord, as long as you're continuously living for him, as long as you're continuously going on this path towards heaven, you are right before the Lord. You are the righteousness of God. Repeat after me. Say, I am righteous. You need to tell yourself that because there are people in this room that you condemn yourself way too much. You condemn yourself way too much that you can't even enjoy coming to church. Because you've condemned yourself way too much. So righteousness is one of the things that we access through faith. We are right before the Lord. We're right before the Lord. Justification, righteousness, and grace. We get grace. And this is what grace is. Let me give you the proper definition because there's a lot of preachers out there that make grace very, very cheap and it's not like that. It is an empowerment to live for God. That is what grace is. An empowerment to live for God. So when people talk about the grace of God, they're talking about the power of God at work in their life. It is an empowerment to live for the Lord. Everything that God wants you to do, he gives you the grace, a.k.a. the power to do it. He gives you the grace for it. Grace simply means the power to do things. It's the power to do things. That's why sometimes people will use words like, oh man, that person has a grace for this. What they're saying is God's given them the power to do just that. When someone says, oh, that person has the grace to, to, to connect with people all over, who it doesn't matter who they talk to, they'll talk to anybody, they'll talk to a wall, they have a grace for it. It's because God's given them the power to do that. It's an empowerment from the Lord. So when I put my faith in God, I get justification. I become right. And I have a grace to live for him. Does that make sense? Amen? All right. I have the grace to live for him. In fact, the Bible says this in Romans chapter 5. 1 and 2. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says this. It says, Therefore, since we have been made right to God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. You have God's grace, God's power to go in every season that you're going. Grace is what, it was, it's something that God gives us. It's the power. It sustains us in every season, through every season. It's the grace of God. Grace is not a license to, to sin. Grace is a license to live freely. It's not a license to continue in your sin. Oh, the grace of God. The moment you start talking like that and saying, I can do this and God will forgive me. I'll ask God for forgiveness tomorrow. I'll do this. It is no longer grace. 
Because you have to remember something. The Bible speaks about it very, very clearly. That God looks at the heart. Men look at the outward appearance. But God looks at the heart. And if your heart is in a place where you do not care what you do, and you think, oh, because God's grace, then you're missing the point. And you no longer get forgiveness because that's not the right heart. (laughs) Got really quiet now. Church, I I say this like I said last week. If you're new here, if you're new here, uh, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. But... I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't talk about these things. I'd be a terrible pastor if I didn't tell you the truth. Does that make sense? I hope you understand. I'm doing this in love. I'm not doing this because I want to shame you or to make you feel bad about yourself. I'm doing this because I love you and I want you to go to heaven with me. That's why I'm saying what I'm saying. And so that's where grace comes. Grace, God gives you the power to live for him. He gives you the power, the grace to continue forward, the grace to continue being a parent, the grace to continue to being a son and a daughter, a student, the grace to be good at your job, all that stuff, that's a power. God gives you the power to do that, the power to do that, and that's grace. I think for the, before the pandemic, a lot of times, whether you've seen it on YouTube or uh, just different preachers out there, they'll, they'll talk about grace and they'll make grace seem like, oh, like I can do whatever. And they, 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 they cheapen grace. And, and it's not very good to cheapen something that God died for. I don't know if that makes sense. God sacrificed himself to live in freedom. Not to live in bondage. and Not to live in a lie. But grace is an empowerment church. So when we get that key, we have access. When we get access through faith, we get access to justification. We get access to righteousness. And we get access to grace. Faith is a gift. Faith is a key. And faith is a muscle. Faith is a muscle. I don't know if you've ever gone, if it's ever happened to you, where you don't work out for a long time, and then the day that you work out, you're very sore. Has that ever happened to anybody here? Yes? Okay, just checking. I know I have to pray for you because you're lying. Again, you're lying. Um, I'll never forget about a couple of weeks ago, I started uh, going to this place called F45. And uh, I hadn't worked out since my daughter was born. So it's been a year. And <laughs> just to tell you that that day was one of the worst days of my life. Uh, the next day I couldn't walk. I, it was hard for me to sit down. My body was killing me. I needed like, and I was on this free trial. And I was like, I didn't go back the next day. Because I, I was like, I can't do this. Obviously, I went back. But uh, it's because I hadn't worked out that muscles. And there were certain workouts that I hadn't done in over a year since my daughter was born. And uh, I remember that feeling. And, and if Here's the thing about faith. Faith is a muscle because faith is something that needs to be developed in our lives. 
I feel sore because I haven't developed those muscles in a long time. That's why I feel sore. And it's the same thing with faith. Faith is something that needs to be developed. Faith is a muscle that needs to be developed. And faith is simply like this. How you de- everyone has a different way of working out your faith. For some of you, it's like Pastor Alex when he talks about offering. For some of you, that is a muscle that needs to be developed. Because maybe some of you in this room, when you hear 10%, I got to give, the Bible says to give 10% of what I make, every check, every check that I get. Yes, because it belongs to the Lord. And for some people, you're like, man, I got to give 10% of what I got for my check. That's, temp- that's money that I could have used. And, you know, the list goes on. I could have used that money. But God says that he will open the floodgates of heaven when you do that. When you do that. And that might, be a, that might be a muscle that you haven't used that maybe you can start using. Maybe you've been doing that perfectly and you don't even think twice about it. Maybe it's time you exercise it by giving a little bit more and see what God does. Maybe your faith needs to be in another thing. Whenever me and my wife, when we moved to Pittsburgh, um, going on a year or two years now, I don't remember, but when we moved to Pittsburgh, that was a big step of faith for us. That was a muscle we hadn't used. We had faith, and God used, you know, my wife has awesome stories, because my wife, I always say that my wife has more faith than I do she's done some stuff in faith that I myself want to throw up sometimes for. Because one time we gave a large amount of money because we believed God and God blessed us for it. But I remember one of the most significant things of our life was moving to Pittsburgh from Laredo. That was a big step of faith. And we didn't know what was going to happen. We knew where we were going. We knew the, the expectations. We, we knew all those those other things. But it was leaving our family. It was leaving. We had a house. We had everything. We sold. Can I tell you something? We, 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 we were living a good life. We were, we were, you know, we had it. And when the Lord put us to go to Pittsburgh, and Jonathan Shuttlesworth tells me, hey, I want you to come. Without, without you know, to be honest, let me tell you something about this story. Jonathan Shuttlesworth did not want me to go to Pittsburgh. He said no to me. I said, okay. And then the Holy Spirit speaks to Jonathan through another pastor. He comes back and tells me he wants me to go to Pittsburgh. And so going to Pittsburgh was a big deal. And that was a muscle we had never used, leaving our home. Obviously, you get married, you leave your home, your parents, and then you get yourself another place. But leaving Laredo was a big step for us. And when we did it, can I tell you something? It was one of the biggest blessings of our life. When we did it, a month later, we sold our home, which takes a long time for a lot of people. And we finally decided to take that step. We sold our home. I sold a truck that I dearly love. I miss my truck very much. I sold my truck. It was awesome, too. I sold my truck. Again, a month later, Someone got my truck. And then, when we go to Pittsburgh, they put it in someone's heart. They found out we were coming. And the very first day that we got there, it hadn't even been a day, so they paid for all our groceries and everything from Walmart. That's what it looks like when you 
use a muscle of faith. God will always come back to provide for you. God will always come back to open up the door for you. I'm not saying that everyone needs to move to Pittsburgh. What I am saying is, because then I would be very mad because I came here back for you. All right, so. Um, what I am saying is there are things that you need to use your faith for. I don't know what that is. It could be finances. It could be starting a business that you're like, God, are you sure? I don't know if I'm capable of doing this business, but I'm going to trust you. It could be in your health. There's a lady in New Mexico that had cancer and her testimony was she felt the Lord tell her to stop with the medications, to stop with all that other stuff. And she was like, God, she thought it was the devil just trying to make her die, you know. But she did it. She stopped. And then a year later, she is cancer-free. She's cancer-free. So faith looks different for everybody. Looks very, very different for everybody. The point is, is that faith needs to be, it's either exercised or it's eliminated. It's one or the other. I'm either building my faith or I'm losing it. Faith will either be exercised or eliminated. But it is up to us how we work it. How we work it. How we build it. How we do it. And my prayer is that you would use your faith. For some of you, faith is this. Is going and telling your family about Jesus. It, so for some of you, that's faith because you dread it. Because you feel like, man, if I do it, it's going to be uncomfortable at my house. You don't know how my deal is. You don't know how my brother is. It's uncomfortable. But maybe that's the case. Maybe you're in this room and faith is this. Is you've given your life to Jesus for the first time. You've never given your life to God. You've done, and you, that's a step of faith. Every single one of us that, are, that have followed the Lord for a couple of years, it all started because we put our faith in God first. That was the first step of faith that we ever took. Putting our trust in God and not ourselves. That was the first one. But faith is a muscle. It is a muscle. Every time you choose to trust God in difficult circumstances, you're building your faith. Every time you choose to trust God in your decisions, you're building your faith. You're building your faith. When you don't know what's going to happen after that decision, you're building your faith. When you don't know what's going to happen when you start that business, you're building your faith. You're building. It takes faith to do a lot of things, church. Business owners that are in this room, it took faith for you to start that. You didn't know how your business was going to look like five years from then, but you did it. Faith is a muscle. Faith is a gift. Faith is a key. Faith is a muscle. Church, that's why I titled it, I am living by faith today. Amen. This whole thing that we've talked about today has been on faith. Like I said, when I started this sermon, faith is the foundation. 
to our relationship with God's faith. It's trusting the Lord. It's trusting the Lord. Maybe you're in this room and there are certain circumstances in your life and maybe you haven't trusted the Lord and I want to encourage you to start to trust Him again today. Maybe there's things that you've been you've been holding back from for whatever reason because someone discouraged you because you saw someone else do it and it didn't work out for them. There's a lot of other things that could play into this. But God wants you to believe him again, church. Believe him again. Believe that he can do it. Believe that he will do it. But we have to learn to live by faith. As a parent, you need to learn to live by faith that as you're you're leading your children, they will follow the Lord all the days of their life. That's you trusting God with it. As a young person in the room, living for the Lord is you trusting Him in the times of today, despite culture and all the things that come with it. Some of you need to trust the Lord again for family members to be saved. Whether it's a husband, a wife, son or daughter, grandkid that are kind of away from the Lord and you're like, God, I need them to come back. It's time to believe him again. But we must live by faith today. Believe God again. Trust him again. Amen. Thank you so much for joining our service and for listening to us. We are located at 4519 East Del Mar Boulevard in Laredo, Texas. And we hope that you continue to be a part of our ICM family.